electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. If you want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to put it in context, teach you. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at you, Kramer. You know why this market keeps hanging in there? Dow gaining 199 points. Say S&P advancing 0.48%. All right, the NASDAQ, well, that tech is up uh, 0.01%. Uh, it's all about what we call the animal spirits, the emotional side of investing. They keep giving us a boost as we're further along in the process of making a bottom. That's what happens when the bear gets old. After a year of almost constant mauling, the bears are headed back into hibernation. Now money's coming off the sidelines as earnings season wraps up. Companies resume their buybacks. Buy, 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 buy. And we head toward the end of the year, which our technical analysis friend Carly Garner says is the, it, probably the strongest part of the year. We've been scrutinizing our holdings for the charitable trust. We've been doing some buying uh, ourselves because, you know what, we're feeling good about having survived the bear. You should, too. We're using the decline, for instance, in oil to pick up one of our favorite oil and gas producers. We've been buying plays in the Chinese economy reopening. Talked about them at our investing club meeting yesterday. Simply because I don't believe the Communist Party can persist with its ridiculous zero COVID policy, as if it's a policy. The constant shutdowns of all sorts of companies debating whether they should actually just give up on China and move some of their manufacturing elsewhere. Maybe even back to the United States, as Apple is reportedly considering. You know what? Even though we have a big position in it, we even thought about buying more of Walt Disney. And it's been a millstone around our necks. But lower oil means lower gasoline, which translates to more trips to the theme park. A change in China's COVID rules means the full blast reopening of Shanghai Disney. Plus, I don't believe I'm alone in my dislike of Disney's current management. I am hearing that Nelson Peltz, who happens to be my favorite activist investor, has taken a big position in Disney. And I can't imagine he's particularly pleased with how this management team is doing. If he decides to go into full activist mode, 
he's got a great track record of turning things around, like he did with Procter & Gamble, a trust name ever since he got involved. Most importantly, the stock's been more than cut in half from its highs last year. Just seems like the right place to be. Disney needs his help. This current crew, it just isn't cutting it. That's the buying mentality you need as we head into a shortened but almost always positive week for the market. So why don't we just get right to our game plan? And uh, by the way, the Proctor was strong. Remember I told you Proctor would be good? I did a big exposition on Proctor uh, in our mid-morning and also in our investing club yesterday. Uh, okay, so on Monday, we don't have much in terms of earnings, but there are a few things that really are going to turn some heads. And one of my favorite consumer packaged goods companies reports on money, that's J.M. Smucker. Now, I love the way they rebuilt this business. you got the premier jelly and syrup company that bought Jif peanut butter. Hey, they give you the old PB&J experience now. Along with terrific mass pet food division, milk bone, meow mix. I think Smucker's firing on all cylinders. It should kick off Monday with a bang. But the company I really want to hear from is one you probably don't know, and that's called Jacob Solution because it does a huge amount of engineering construction work. I'm betting they give us some tremendous insight into where all that federal infrastructure spending might be headed. I think 2023 will be the year of federal largesse, and it's going to impact everybody from Falcon Materials to Caterpillar to Floor and, of course, Jacobs. My feeling is this could be a monster good story, yet it seems like nobody else is talking about besides me. Totally crazy. But then again, I'm happy to own the story. I'm happy to tell people about it. At the close, we hear from Agilent, which is a key supplier for life, and science, life science, electronics, and chemical industries. It's got a secular growth story that I've always liked. They rarely miss the quarter. Now, here's a tough one, Dell. I like Dell, but there are times when even a great company can't fight an industry-wide downturn. We got a huge inventory glut in personal computers. It's worth listening to Dell just to see where we are in the cycle, though. We also get results from Zoom Video, which we spoke to just the other day. Now, I've got a ton of Zoom. They've got all these new applications we talked about, right? But Wall Street, when you look at the estimates, they think that Zoom's going to have a down year in 2023. Well, down year, people, is the kiss of death in this business for a growth stock. And I've got no idea how any growth investors will have the patience to wait for better numbers. Now, see, if I were running Zoom, I'd go out and buy some growth companies. Because while the business is slowing, they still got a ton of cash. Either that or just put the darn company up for sale because a lot of companies would like to buy it and they have such a good balance sheet. Tuesday's huge, even as it's part of a holiday-shortened week. It starts with Best Buy, BBY, which the whole world seems to be betting against because many of the products are just like PCs. Uh, they're in club mode. Best Buy now trades at less than 12 times earnings with an almost 5% dividend yield. I think that's very cheap. They really have to screw things up to knock the stock below here. Uh, decent risk reward at this point, especially if the stock dips on Monday. Of course, the problem is what would make it advance, but I would say that maybe the shorts. Now, don't look now, but American Eagle Outfitters, a disaster of a stock that engulfed my charitable trust, actually looks like it's finally bottoming. I'm hesitant to go near this one, but... After the Gap reported a positive quarter yesterday, you have to stay open-minded, don't you, people? It's the discounters that really intrigue me, though. Burlington Stores reports, and we already know that TJX and Ross Stores are doing fantastic. So, unfortunately, the problem here with this going out and buying Burlington is that we've got so many people who jumped the gun and bought it today. We also hear from Dollar Tree. That's a a totally beloved story. Uh, When people get nervous about the economy, I like my Dollar Tree. I like their candy aisle especially. And how can you not feel nervous next Tuesday when the three-headed monster of gloom Loretta Mester, Esther George, and James Bullard are all speaking one after another to another. A parade of horribles. It reminds me of uh, 
oh, like some really scary movies, like Sinister 2 and 3, although I think only two's out. Now, it's too bad that Dick's Sporting Goods reports on the same day because you don't buy a discretionary sporting goods stock when Fed chieftains are railing again about how to, they need to take rates, I don't know, five, six, seven. What's with these guys? So I bet the Dick's tells a, doll, a terrific story, especially after the fine quarter we got from Foot Locker this morning. I mean, that's what made me think that Dick's could be good. Now, if you think that a recession is the order of the day, then you might want to take a hard look at Medtronic which has a series of bad quarters, but is about as cheap as I can ever recall this medical device stock because it is classically recession-proof. But I got to tell you, if they screw it up again, they give you still one more bad quarter, management is going to be called into question. And that may be the right thing that happened. I wish the semiconductors weren't so awful because awful. How do the other people say it? Awful? Because we hear from one of my favorites, that's Philadelphia accent, one of my favorites, analog devices. They make mostly industrial chips, Internet of Things. So they should be better off than most chip makers who are stuck in, like, PCs. But we're still in tech tyranny mode, so my instinct is to stay away from ADI. I already mentioned that Dell can't buck the inventory uh, situation, but I'm really confident that HP can't. Uh, they're important Tuesday afternoon. They're having a hard time moving their PCs and printers and ink. And, you know, look, everybody's got a home office there. We don't need a second one. Later on, I'll opine about the true state of retail. But we get results from one of the most heartbreaking brick-and-mortar outfits, Nordstrom. And I wish I could say something positive other than I hope it's not as bad as the last quarter. That, historically, has not been a great form of praise. They're not as horrible as they've been. Well, there you go. Finally, the star of next week's reports on Wednesday, and that is Deer. I think the ag cycle is one of the most enduring themes of this era, and Deer's right at the center of it. Plus, don't forget, they make a lot of equipment used for building road infrastructure, which we're going to hear about from Jacobs. I think it's going to be a good quarter, but I hope it's disappointing and the stock gets hit, giving you a chance to buy it on the cheap between here and your end. The bottom line, you got to adjust your mindset to a world where the bears are finally in retreat. Because I'm betting the next four weeks will be much better than what we've come to be used to. Rob, in my home state of New Jersey. Rob! Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Rob. My, uh, my wife, Liesl, my dog, Loki, and I all enjoy watching your show. I bought Exxon oh, about you. three years ago at 67. I held it as it dipped below 40. I still have it today, and I'm wondering... What should I do with it? Buy more so You want to hold on to Exxon. It's just going to be better and better run. It's also got an environmental uh, group, group. People who actually like, care about the environment on the board, I actually like that. I think that's just the way you get an oil company to go up these days is to be able to have it do the right thing when it comes to the environment. Let's go to Carl in Washington. Carl. Yes, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my question today is about Twilio, T-W-L-O. Uh, did really um. well during the pandemic. But it's since uh, kind of struggled. Want to know your thoughts? Yeah. Okay. So here's the problem with Twilio. Uh, well, look, I love Jeff Lawson, but the stock, the company doesn't make money. And on Kramer's Man Money, we are reluctant to, met, to recommend any stock that doesn't make money. And this one is, seems to be quite adept at losing money. And that is not a skill that I particularly care for at this stage in the cycle. Let's go to Tony in Michigan. Tony! Jim, thank you for taking my call this evening. Not a problem. My question is about MasterCard. I've owned it since its uh, 2006 IPO. It has done very well for me. 
and I have some dry powder, and I was wondering if I should put it back into MasterCard, or do you recommend it? Well, I got to tell you, Michael Meebach, who runs MasterCard, is a great in- – hey, by the way, I met this new guy who's running uh, – going to run Visa, is McInerney. He was a real smart fella, too. But I think that you're really spot on with MasterCard. Oh, boy, that chart is so amazing. We sold it 360 for the investing uh, group. I'll tell you, I got to tell you, 343. That one looks like it's headed right back to 360, and me back's good to go. Let's go to Nico in Illinois. Nico! All right, Jimmy Jill, sending over a big holiday season booyah for you from Chicago. How are you today? Right back at you. Let's go to Benny's together. Let's get some good liquor, all right? We'll get some of that Fosforo. What's going on? You got it. Uh, Got DraftKings for you. Want to know if this is a good buy level and what's your take on the company? I think his stock is done going down. I think Jason Robbins is a good man. I think there are a lot of companies in the entertainment business that don't have a clue about what to do. So they ought to partner with Jason or buy Jason's company because they do the best DFS. If you don't know what DFS is, Google it because it's so much fun. Uh, it's daily. And I just think that Jason runs the best of those websites. And I've been on all of them. And, uh, oh, hold on just a sec. Let me do a little wrap here. Uh, you got to adjust your mindset to a world where the Bears are finally in retreat. Because I'm betting the next four weeks will be much better than what we've come to expect. And, man, it's been a long time since it's been fun, isn't it? Look at this. I mean, the whole thing is just... Everything's come to life. Oh, actually, no, it's just Ben Stoto, my research director. Oh, man, buddy, Valero, their earnings report sent the stock lower. But this is that proof that things are uh, bad, or are they sparing us something else that I don't know about? I'm discussing with the CEO. Then the face of some topsy-turvy action, what do we have to do? We have to play M-I. Go ahead, say it. Go ahead. Diversified. There's all seven of us said it. I have to make sure the portfolios of Great American can withstand whatever the market throws you. And how about this one? Northern Oil and Gas. They had a strong showing. I like the idea of a royalty trust for energy. So let's see what they have to say. May I suggest that you stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last month, we got behind Bolero. That's a rare SPAC name. You know, we don't like SPACs here. That follows following the old school formula of consolidating a highly fragmented industry, in this case, bowling, Some, a sport that I like very much. Unlike most SPACs, Bolero is a real business with strong sales and excellent earnings, some of which they returned you via generous buyback. On Wednesday, though, Bolero reported what people are calling a mixed quarter. Better than expected sales, slightly worse than expected earnings. And because they'd previously been crushing the estimates, a lot of people were disappointed because these guys have been such serially great at the quarters. Therefore, I think that's why the stock declined 1.8% yesterday, another 4.5% beating today. Now, Bolero's back to where it was trading when I started recommending it in mid-October. So are you getting another bite at the apple here? Or is there a reason to be more cautious? Let's take a close look with Thomas Shannon, the founder and chairman CEO of Bolero. Find out more about the quarter and what's next. Mr. Shannon, welcome back to Man Money. Jim, good to see you again. All right. So, Tom, I got to tell you, I, I mean, I went all over the numbers and I know that maybe it's because I like bowling so much or I like the long term idea of what you're doing. I thought the quarter was fine. I mean, there were no surprises in it. If anything, uh, you did talk about how leagues are coming back with a vengeance and parties are back with a vengeance. And and therefore, it it was a good quarter in my eyes. But maybe uh, you can enlighten our viewers about what you thought was were some of the strengths. Well, Jim, I think it was a blowout quarter. I mean, revenue in the quarter. And remember, this is our slowest quarter of the year was 230 million. That was up 27% year over year and 55% from pre, pre-pandemic. Um, EBITDA for the quarter was 65.3%, which was up 11% for the quarter and an astonishing 162% versus pre-pandemic. Um, I think to the extent that uh, anyone was disappointed. It was that margin was lower than the same quarter a year ago. But you have to remember, a year ago, there were no employees. You couldn't hire people to save your life. So we opened back up after the lockdowns. We were incredibly busy and we were really short staffed. Now we're normalized. And more importantly, we're staffed up for the most important quarters of the year, the quarter we're in now and the next quarter, Q2 and Q3 of our fiscal year, and we're already seeing the results. In in period four, which was October, we're up 32%. So revenue growth has accelerated from prior year from 26% to 32%, and we're incredibly well positioned to maximize revenue and profit in the most important quarters. Well, you know, Tom, when I was reading through your quarter, I was very 
really quite uh, thrilled to see that you can get help now. My fear had been that you would have to hire help and pay a huge amount of money and you would and your profitability would be lowered this quarter. If anything, it seems like that maybe there are people who are finally looking for jobs again. And if they want a good paying job, they go to Bolero. Well, it's absolutely true. We're always hiring and good general managers make six figures in our company. So it's a pretty good job for a lot of people who just have uh, high school diplomas. Uh, but uh yeah, you know, we're, we're seeing a, a great stabilization in the labor force now that we hadn't seen previously. Uh, turnover is going down. And, uh, and most importantly, because we're properly staffed, the guest experience is great. You know, I just don't understand the reaction of the stock market to the performance, Jim. I mean, we were incredibly pleased. And then since then, um, well, in the quarter, we acquired three new centers. But since then, in the last six weeks, we've acquired six more centers. So nine acquisitions in the fiscal year alone that started in July. Well, Tom, welcome to my world. You see, a company, I like to look at companies and not look at the stock price. I like to read all the documents. And, and only after I've done that do I look at the stock price. And then I make my decision about whether it's right or wrong. And one of the reasons I wanted you back was I said, well, that's just wrong. You're going into the key season. You talked about leagues. Leagues are great for the day, days that, or nights like I used to play on Tuesday nights with, it, it, because that's when no one was there. And if anything, these new acquisitions, these acquisitions just keep coming and coming. And yet even you can explain to people with all the ones you have, you own a fraction of how many there are that could be uh, uh, bought by you. Well, absolutely right. And as if I recall, your league name was Beethoven. Wasn't that right, Jim? Yeah, it is Beethoven. Well, I always wanted to be Beethoven, and the only place I could be Beethoven is at the lanes. Well, maybe it's because you make the music happen. I don't know. But uh, you're, you're right about the growth. So we have 325 bowling centers currently. Uh, there's about 4,000 in the U.S., so we have great vectors for growth. And just think of this one data point. There are 1,994 Home Depots in the U.S., don't you think we could have at least one bowling center per Home Depot? That would be 6x the number we have now. So this company is going to be growing for a really long time. But just to get back to the numbers for a quick sec, do you know that our adjusted EBITDA margin in this last quarter was up 1,200 basis points <laughs> versus pre-pandemic? I mean, we're firing on all cylinders. Well, what I think has to happen, I've been thinking a lot about this, is that Seeing is believing. See, I know your ladies because I like the bowl, okay? I think if any analyst would spend the time or a bunch of analysts and went to see what you guys do both before and after and, and what it's like on a Friday night or a Wednesday night. I, you know, I, I took my stepdaughter one for, for her birthday with a bunch of friends. One of the greatest times ever. I think they need to bowl. I think that's the problem. They're snobs and they do not bowl. Well, I couldn't agree more. I, I would love for everyone to visit our facilities and, and tell me another bricks and mortar company that's growing same store sales in the mid to high 20 percent, comping over what was a very good revenue uh, period last year because of all the pent up demand. I mean, people are bowling like crazy, yeah, like crazy, three and f like crazy like three and four hour waits on a Saturday night. And you're right, we're up in leagues, we're up in open play, we're up in events. The event business, by the way, is coming back with a vengeance. Well, look, I, I want to leave it at that so people know the truth about your business, which is it's incredibly strong. Tom Shannon, founder CEO of Bolero. What a company. Thank you, Tom. Great to see you again. Great to see you, Jim. Thank right. you. Guys, this is a gift. And Mad Money's back into the break. Coming up, survive the unknowns. Thrive in any market. Kramer invites you to the Game of Games. Play 
Am I Diversified? Next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. If you wanted a prime example of why you need to stay diversified, well, it's this market. This last week alone, we saw the averages rally on Monday, only to give back all their gains plus more by today. Hawkish Fed speak, uh, earnings better than expected inflation data. It's all weighing on the indices, and it's weighing on you and me, and it's why we have to find a way to be able to stay in until things get better. And that's why we play Am I Diversified? It's pretty simple. You call me. You tell me your top five holdings. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough. Maybe you need to mix it up a little. Maybe you need to make some changes. I make suggestions. The first up we have is David Sullivan on Twitter, which is still open, who asks, at Mad Money on CNBC and at Jim Cramer, that works too. Uh, uh, Apple, Boeing, Chevron, that's what I call it, Chevron. Newcore, Ventas, Booyah, that's not a stock. From the first state, long time, first time, am I diversified? Oh, thank you. Okay, let's take a look at this because I like a lot of these stocks. Apple, I want you to own it, not trade it. At 139, remember all those joker analysts say you better sell it because of some factory, some place that didn't have this or that? Well, it went right to 150. So they're a bunch of jokers. Ventas, Deb Cafaro's doing fine. The yield's fine. The senior living, it's, fin- it, it, it's very, very good. Chevron yields 3% now. Mike Worth, probably best in show for the oil group. Uh, Boeing, it's on the mend. Let's say it's on the mend. And Nucor may be the best manufacturer in the world. A steel company, a tech company, a healthcare company, an oil and gas company, and an aerospace company. Hey, the first state rocks. Okay, just rocks. Next up, hey, let's go to my home state, George in Pennsylvania. George. Hey, Jim. It's George from Philadelphia. My top five are Johnson & Johnson, John Deere, Apple, Morgan Stanley, and EPD Enterprise Product Partners. Am I diversified? Okay, this is very typical. I think I know this man. You know, Philadelphians know each other. There's like 1.8 million people in Philadelphia. I know every single one of them, and I even know what corners they're from. Like, I'm from 10th and Reed. Okay, let's go to work. Uh, Johnson Johnson, this is uh, our trust favorite uh, drug stock other than Eli Lilly. It's a 175. It looks so good. It's breaking out here. Morgan Stanley, another name that's from the CNBC Investing Club. Uh, yields a little better than three. Is just a fantastic track record. And is someone I saw on Fast Money today was selling the stock. I, I, I had to trim it because it went up. It got so big, but I really like it. Enterprise Product is one of the finest uh, limited partnerships that there is for oil and gas. It's really good. It's a mass limited partnership. It does very, it does fractionated natural gas liquids. Apple, what can I tell you? There was a joker analyst. I wonder, well, you get the picture. And then Deer reports on Wednesday. I think, remember, 
Deere. Deere always does a very bad job on its conference call. Don't worry about it. If it goes down, you want to buy it. You got ag, got tech, got finance, got drug, got oil and gas. I mean, we're talking about perfection. I think that guy is from Broad and Olney. I swear to God. All right, now, yeah, he is from Broad and Olney. Next up is Kate in Georgia. Kate. Jim, I am so grateful for the investing club. I've had a really great year. Um, so much gratitude to you and Jeff and the entire team. Um, my top five stocks are Morgan Stanley, Merck, Honeywell, Halliburton, and Google. Thanks so much. All right, let's give it up. Before I get to work, let me just say, I mean, last night, I, I, I want to apologize. There was a guy asked me at the beginning of the show about Lily, and I had spent so much time working on Lily for the club that I just said, I mean, like, go join the club. And I shouldn't have done that. What I should have said was, we really try hard at the club to tell you stuff about it's teaching people. And this very nice woman, Kate, has obviously understood that we are here to teach you to be better because some of the stocks are ours and some of the stocks are hers. And that's fine. For instance, she owns Merck, and it's a really great drug company. It just broke through 100. I like Lily, but she's understands she knows how to do the and uh, how to be able to be very rigorous about why she likes work. That's great. Honeywell's is uh, climate controls and aerospace. Alphabet, we all have a little problem trying to figure out why they hired 12,500 people in the midst of a slowdown, but I think they're going to rectify that soon. And we know Alphabet, of course, is a search company, but it does also YouTube and it's got a growing cloud business. Halliburton is our favorite oil service name. Got hit early on today when oil dropped down big through, through 80 and then bounced back because I think oil's trying to do a bottoming process in the 70s. And then Morgan Stanley, we talked about that earlier, it was one of my favorite financials. So we have a finance, we have an oil service, we have a tech company, we got an aerospace, aerospace and climate control company, and we got a terrific pharmacy company, and we got an incredibly nice person who, when I go home and see my wife today, I'm going to say, because of this incredible person, Kate, I know why I spend so many hours on the club, as does Jeff Barks. Now let's go to Gilbert in Tennessee. Gilbert. Hi, Jim. This is Gilbert from Tennessee. My five stocks are Apple, Regions, Johnson & Johnson, Meta, and Disney. Am I diversified? Wow. Okay, this is a very interesting list. I don't need to say anything other than, but, you know, don't trade it, okay? Meta, I like the fact that ever since that Zuckerberg announced their layoffs, the stock's going up because it was recognition that they've got to get their expenses in line of their revenues. That's called good business, and I'm finally be- uh, betting that Mark is showing that. Uh, Johnson Johnson, we know, again, breaking up into uh, consumer products, slower growth, and then the real fast farm and medical device. Uh, Regions, a very high-quality bank. And Disney, I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, a change agent, Nelson Peltz, uh, may be in the stock and is unhappy, and that can often mean something good, because that's what happened in Procter & Gamble before Procter & Gamble exploded higher, and Heinz, too. So if Nelson's involved in Disney, it's going to be good news, provided that they let him help. Probably not good news if they don't. Entertainment, technology. Um, okay, so here we have technology. I'm going to call this Internet Social. I can't even. It's not the same as Apple. Drug and bank. Look at this. We look at this. Some people are paying over a billion dollars for this. You know, like I, I, it's Sotheby's. But instead, I just clear it. All right. Well, that's it. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, oil and gas and energy. Oh, my. This company's on the vanguard of a sector with the power to steer the whole market. Next. Last Wednesday, we got a question from Hassan in in Georgia. 
Yes, but northern oil and gas. And I said somewhat tersely that I don't like this story. Well, this is an oil and gas firm that doesn't actually do its own production. Instead, they co-invest in other companies' projects and get a cut of the profits. It's an intriguing model, but Northern Oil and Gas has a bit of a checkered past. I only recognize it because of some malfeasance from a couple now former members of its management several years ago. Since then, though, I've been urged by some very smart people to take a hard look at this one and a fresh look. There's a whole new management team in place, and all the bad behavior happened many years ago. I know oil got hit today, but I still like the shareholder-friendly's exploration and production companies. This one supports a 3.3% yield, and it is very intriguing. So let's check in with Nick O'Grady. He's the CEO of Northern Oil & Gas to get a better sense of this company's unique strategy. Mr. O'Grady, welcome to Mad Money. Jim, how are you? I am good, thanks. Uh, You know, I want to just, Nick, right at the beginning, because I want to apologize. I was indeed, uh, I was part of a team that looked into the old company. And it seems like that you've parted ways with anybody who was involved and, and that we can just go forward and not be on, not have to think any more about that old team. New sheriff's in town. I like that. I like a sheriff. Now, I like a sheriff that, that happens to know how to find good oil and, and prospects that others have and gets a good piece of them. And that seems to be a, a royalty model that we've learned in other industries, whether it be pharmaceuticals, we've seen it, and it's absolutely terrific, and gold. It sounds like you're doing the same thing for oil and gas. That's right. Working interests have been a looked-over sector, um, the non-operated interests, and we've expanded from once being only in North Dakota. We're now in New Mexico, Texas, and Pennsylvania, as well as North Dakota. Um, and the results speak for themselves. Uh, you know, we've taken it from about 15,000 barrels a day. We have a, a, a line. We've got about $600 million in pending acquisitions. We should have a line to about 100,000 barrels a day next year. And we've done that while, you know, taking leverage down as about 75% uh, on a ratio basis over that period of time. Um, put dividends in, stock buybacks, all the good stuff that, that and the stocks outperformed. The index, I think, four out of the last five years under our, our management and in aggregate by about 50 percent. Well, that, that's pretty spectacular. I know that capital return priorities are, are vital to you. And I did look at that dividend increase. I mean, it's rather extraordinary. I know it yields right now to 3.3, but you have been spectacularly raising it over time. That seems to be one of your right. highest priorities. That's right. Yeah, I, I believe in a reasonable rate of return. Uh, I, I was an 18-year Wall Street guy. I, I followed the sector forever. Um, you know, profits are great, but investors deserve real income uh, as you grow the business, and we're dedicated to continuing to do so. All right. So, can you give me a little bit of a sensitivity analysis? A lot of people are concerned. They're saying, "Me, Jim, it, uh, oil's all the way back to where it was in September. It's now under eighty. You got to be very careful with oil." Um, what would a person who owns a share of NOG uh, be concerned about in terms of sensitivity? Yeah, I mean, I think we're a prolific hedger. You know, we've all we typically hedge about sixty to sixty-five percent of our production on an eighteen-month basis. So, from a profits perspective, it will have some impact, but it'll be muted to some degree. Um, the the equities will trade with a high correlation to oil, so I can't promise that the stock won't bounce around uh, when oil prices go up or go down. I would tell you, you know, oil is a very complex commodity. Supply demand, the, the fundamentals are quite strong. Um, but there's a lot of geopolitical stuff that goes on. Recession fears can have a big impact in the short term. But I do think, you know, oil will be well supported, you know, in the 70s uh, if it should go as low as that. And I would tell you that we make very, very uh, good profits at those levels. 
Well, um, Nick, so I think that in general, yeah, go ahead, oh, please. No, Sorry. no, that's what I was going to say is I wanted you to talk about the ground game that allows you to say that because I think your ground yeah. game is unique and important for potential investors to know about. That's right. We don't just, uh, you know, we don't just wait for people. We, we buy land and lease lease properties and, and wait for people to do it. We have an actively we're a portfolio manager, just like many stock investors. And so our team uh, of ground game, about 20 percent of our capital in any given year is ad hoc drilling projects that we purchase in real time. And so those prices, when the price of oil goes down, uh, so do, so too do the acquisition costs for those properties. So it allows us to keep our returns relatively stable, even when prices are low or when they're high. So would you say that well, one of the ways you get your best properties is because someone, a company might say, look, we got to spread our risks around or that we if we had a little extra money, we could really hit pay dirt and you're there, you're ready? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, sometimes it's just they simply don't have uh, the money to develop their working interest in those pro- uh, properties. I think some of our best operator uh, customers are our operators and operators want to drill their own wells. They don't want to fund other operators wells. And so ultimately, ultimately, we become the largest, most efficient clearinghouse for those properties, because ultimately in, in an era where companies are returning cash to their shareholders, uh, they don't want uh, kind of unknown quantities of capital going out the door for other people's projects. Now, uh, one last question. When I look at the actual numbers, it does say, I'm trying to understand if this is right, that when you say that you do, say, 79,000 barrels of oil equivalent uh, daily per quarter, uh, that's yeah. what you're doing is you're, is you're basically adding all up, adding up all the different fields, correct? That's correct, yeah. So we, and we, we don't report our NGL volumes or natural gas liquids that would add on top of that. Most, most companies do, but we don't. Um, but that's uh, oil and natural gas equivalent. That's where that's where we exited last quarter. Again, we have a, a large swath of we have three pending transactions that will bolt on a lot more production as we head into 2023. Well, look, I congratulate you. And I'm, I am sorry. My misperception was quite dated. And I think you've got a very interesting model and a, and a lot of really good ideas. So I want to thank Nick O'Grady. He's the CEO of Northern Oil and Gas Energy. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it, Jim. Absolutely. Everybody's back here for the break. Coming up, what's in your mind, America? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. Are you ready, Ski? Dad, time for the light round. I'm going to start with Arya in Oklahoma. Arya. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, Arya. What's going on down there? I uh, have a question about AFT Space Mobile. These guys put their Blue Walker 3 satellite up into space in September. They unfolded it last week. What do you think of this stock, AFTS? Well, okay, listen, it, it, this is what I see. It's a company, not a stock. It's an exciting thing, not a stock. I think a stock is a company that makes money and then returns some of that money to you and trades inexpensively. And that one doesn't qualify. Let's go to um, Iron in Arizona. Iron. Hey, yeah, I'm in Jim. Um, What's up? Health. Um, I just wanted to ask yeah, you. What the heck is going on with KNO Health? What 
what is going on? I know they got a billion dollars debt. Maybe that's the problem. They're supposed to get a buyout bid. The buyout bid disappeared. Now the stock is just in free fall. It's already down to one. Now, what do I say about Kano? Is it stocks amazingly and historically? Now, don't quote me on this. They stop at zero. And, and so you know that you've got like a floor. But I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's a straight shot, straight shot, straight shot. Let's go to Jack in Ohio. Jack. Hey, love your team your show, Jimmy. Thank you. Hey, buying for the dividend income, P-A-G-P. And you are doing it correctly. So this guy's got horse sense. Five and Dids, not, not one of my favorites. Enterprise product I think is better than, but that's all right. I, by the way, I even like E.T. more, and I don't need the phone home anymore because that CEO has gotten some religion. But P-A-G-P planes, going, that is going to generate a lot of income for you, and you're in good shape even with oil 78. Let's go to Rick in Illinois. Rick. Paul Kramer. Huh? I said, hello, Kramer. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Kramer's right here. I mean, Kramer's doing fine. He's just getting fired up. I just want to think. I want to do like seven or eight more shows right now. I don't want it to. Yes, right now. What's going on? Everyone else wants to go home. They're having a gin and tonic. What is that all about? They're playing at wing foot. I mean, they wouldn't even let me in there. What's going on? Kramer, this company yeah. has had a rough year. It's Bluebird Buses. Are they set up for a Bluebird buses. They won't let me ride a Bluebird bus into the National. That's what they tell me. I don't know. I don't play the National. But I will tell you that that school bus company is not to be touched because they're doing very poorly, and I'm not going to try to create a reason to own it. I just can't come up with it. How about we go to Jim in Florida? Jim. Hey. Jimbo. Jim. Booyah. Yo, yo. What's shaking, partner? Go ahead. Hey, uh, Ian destroyed thousands of properties in Southwest Florida. People need windows. I'm interested in PGTI. It beats. Not bad. Here's the problem. PGTI in the end sells them to you get lows. And LOW is a better buy. We never want to outthink the market. The market is not as smart as we think it is. Now let's go to Jerry in Massachusetts. Jerry. Hey, Jim. This is Jerry from Cape Cod. Hope this finds you well. Yeah, it's kind of like a letter. Yeah, I'm well. How about you? I'm doing. I'm doing real well, Jim. I'm a uh, longtime listener, a first-time caller, and a very satisfied member of the investing club. I just yes. want to add that the monthly meeting you put on yesterday was top shelf. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I mean, we're throwing stuff around here. We're getting it together. But I really appreciate it. that thing. Took like for like my wife told me, just leave the house if you're going to just do nothing but work on the meeting. So I did. It was not bad. So go ahead. <laughs> Okay, my, I got a two-part question for you. I'm getting ready to start a position in MP Materials, sticker MP. Your thoughts on that? Well, okay. And? Because I got to tell you, Mary Barr, yesterday, in that unbelievable interview, even I felt that was unbelievable. But then again, I am, I, I am the most sincerely sincere man in North America. I thought absolutely that company, and they were on recently, is doing a great job. They've got a, they got a contract with GM to produce all over materials, and they're bringing back the stuff. You know, they used to have to refine it in China. They're getting away from that not so great uh, a combination of, of bring, bring it here, refine it there, and bring it back. They're going to refine it here. GM is the winner, and so is MP. That's a twofer. I gave him a twofer. Do I have one? Do I have one? Yes, I have John in Georgia. John. Yep. Buy, sell, or hold on Icon, I-C-L-R. 
Uh, I like the clinical region. It's very interesting that you mentioned this because I was looking at Waters the other day. That's another one that's a Ben Stoto favorite. He's our research director. I think this one's even better. I like it. It's a very inexpensive stock. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, a moment for which there is no playbook. Kramer bears down to make sense of a market unlike any we've seen. Next. Jim Kramer, the diehard of the dollar. Hey, Jimmy, love the show. My five-year-old grandson loves to watch your show. I have to thank you for making us money when it's there to be made. Our world is a better place with you in it. This stock business runs on generalizations, but sometimes generalizations can lead you astray. For example, we frankly decide that people aren't buying goods anymore. They're spending their money on services instead, especially travel. And when consumers do buy goods, the conventional wisdom says they're abandoning expensive stuff, trading down. Oh, they don't want to buy full price anything. Now, I get where these generalizations come from because they are partially true. We got a bunch of off-price chains that are indeed making out like bandits, including Raw Stores and TJX. By the way, that stock hit an all-time high, and we own a nice position for it for the Chapel Trust. Both those stocks have soared. These off-price retailers win when the rest of the industry is losing because they buy excess inventory from full-price stores at pennies on the dollar. So when you see Bed Bath & Beyond or even Target aggressively selling off old merchandise to bring in new stuff, it's likely going to TGX and its off-price compadres for next to nothing. All right, so I get the thesis. Most goods aren't selling as well as they used to, and the off-price chains are printing money as the consumer trades down. But this kind of generalization only takes you so far because there are plenty of individual companies that don't fit the pattern. I mean, take Lowe's, which is doing quite well. Well, one of the reasons they're doing quite well is they sold off their ailing Canadian operation, Rona, something that will make them a much better operator. The previous management paid a fortune for it, and what a big mistake. That's a major reason why low stock went higher, not just that they did well. Home Depot, on the other hand, was created with a yawn. The problem? While Lowe's is more aimed at the do-it-yourself renovators, the despot targets professional contractors. And right now, there's less building by the professionals because of the shocking rise in interest rates. When rates are low, homes sell. When they are high, they're tough to sell, so people renovate. Of course, more often you get a situation like Target and Walmart. Target stock just got obliterated on a heinous quarter. Seems like they didn't offer enough bargains. But as someone who shops there regularly, I can tell you the stores have never looked better. Now, people may be feeling poor, though, and Target's pricing is indeed higher than, say, Walmart's. But I think it's because it's nicer. And because Walmart had great sales, Wall Street concluded, therefore, that consumers must be feeling down and want to trade down. Must be running low on money because people who never be caught dead in a Walmart are now going there. Maybe they need the savings. Then below Walmart, you got that off price tier like TJX, Costco. I mean, there's always a market for this stuff. But in a trade down scenario, you get way more people shopping at TJ Maxx because, yes, indeed, they're out of money. While we're at it, the conventional wisdom says you need to sell retailers like RH, the old restoration harbor, and Williams-Sonoma. RH has a lot of final sales signs, and Williams-Sonoma said the environment's choppy and it's cold last night. But, you know, again, these 
are generalizations. They're simple. They're easy to make. I can do them in my sleep. They are not what I want you to do. See, when you drill down into specifics, we have lots of people doing lots of different things, and their disparate behavior is hard to gain. Macy's had a good quarter. Does that mean we conclude that people are trading down? Not so fast. Their best part of their business, Bloomingdale's and Blue Mercury, had excellent same-store sales, so therefore they're trading up. Meanwhile, I spoke to the outgoing CEO of Visa, Al Kelly, on Squawk of the Street this morning, and he said people are pretty much buying everything. So let me tell you what I think is really going on. We had a worldwide pandemic that shut down the whole country, a situation that's unprecedented in living memory. That put tremendous stress on the global supply chain, making it insanely difficult to buy a new car or even replace a broken appliance. We also spent a lot of money building out home offices, home entertainment systems, because there was nowhere else to go. On top of that, the federal government threw us a bunch of stimulus checks, including a very generous boost to the child tax credit. Then. The world went into post-pandemic mode and people had all this extra money lying around, but we had no idea what they'd do with it, or what they wanted, because there's no playbook for this moment. So a lot of retailers got their merchandise mix wrong. How the heck were they supposed to know what people would want? The whole industry's still co- coping with a post-COVID hangover. That's why I think it's a mistake to draw any hard and fast, clear conclusions about retail after this week, even though everyone else seems to be willing to do so. And I'm from a retail background and thank heavens for 40 years, know a little bit about this area. You're trading in reaction to what's good or bad in one particularly blurry snapshot. I have an idea. Why not wait? Why not find out what things what happens when things get back to normal? And they sure aren't now. We got a playbook for normal. But if you call those plays in a highly abnormal situation, I think you're asking for trouble. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Monday. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 